With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Chills. Another week goes by, another week of confusion. There's downs, there's ups, not many in-betweens actually. It's been a strange old week. And then there was football. (sighs) I don't know, I just don't know what to make of any of it at the moment. Well, somebody who hopefully has more of a clue what to make of things is Mr Andy Saunders. Hello Andy, how are you? I am very well Kerry, how are you? Yeah, as I say, it's it's been a bizarre old week, I think. It's been a binary week. Binary, yes. Well, I, if it had only been zeros and ones, I'd probably been happier. No chiaroscuro. Just no. very solid blocks of light. No light and shade, just solid black or white. That's right. In that terms is, of mood. That is chiaroscuro. I know you're, a, you're, 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 you're an art fella, so I thought I'd throw some phrases in for you. It's very good. And do you know who was the master of Chiroscuro? I don't. Caravaggio. Okay. There you go. So, anyway, and talking of Caravaggio, he couldn't make it, so he got the next best thing. The man of calmness, the man of few words. It's Mr. Gary Hayes. Caravaggio, isn't he the the rumour that the rickets are going to be signing? Uh, you know what? Never mind Caravaggio. Welcome, Gary Vaggio. <laughs> See what Vag. I did there? No, don't start. Just be behaved. It, uh, just to say, there'll be no interrupting this week. Otherwise, people are going to get yellow cards and then get muted for five minutes at Who a time. interrupted last week? Uh, well, let's just say it wasn't me. Um, let, let's move on. How Gary. are you, Gary? Are you all right this week? Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm always good. Thank you very much. I had some more problems with the solicitors today, but I'm feeling very zen. Okay, what is this? Is this a court case or something? Yeah, it is. It's an ongoing court case. Okay. <laughs> well, probably best not to know. Hey, 
I met another one of your brothers yesterday. I met Seb. Otherwise known as Bessie. <laughs> He's, he was great. We've swapped some anecdotes. I mean, how many how many Hayes are there, Gary? Would you like? Because Andy uh, may not know this. There are what in my immediate family. Well, I yeah, I don't, I don't mean distant cousins because we there might end are up seven boys and one girl. There was two adults, but then my dad died, so now there's one. So where are died. you in that in that uh, fixture list? I'm number five. Right, okay. So, <laughs> But um, there was a gap to number six, wasn't there? No, there was a gap to seven and eight. So my parents um, had six kids. Then they decided to have some more in the hope they'd have more girls, and they got two more boys. So, <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> there you go. And we're all Chelsea. Well, that's good. And you were the – but growing up, you were the baby of the family, really, weren't you? It, with the boys, yeah, yeah. I was, the, I would be the baby of the family. I was the. Um, that massively explains a lot. Oh, like well, the fact that you are spoiled, intelligent, entitled, molly coddled, <laughs> entitled. <laughs> <laughs> He's that oh, darling, Boris and me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> go mr entitled i bet you never thought you'd hear that gary that's my middle name <laughs> gary entitled hayes <laughs> but i was named after my dad as well my dad's called gary what did he spell his it? name wrong too he spelled it correctly as well just, so just to confirm this again if your name's gary with one r that means it's an abbreviation of gareth if it's gary with two it's because your name is gary so all these gary's out there with one r in a name you're doing it wrong mate <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'll, I'll go with that. I, I like a little bit of linguistic um, intellect and and know how. So yeah, you're that's... an only child, aren't you, Kerry? Yes. Well, I had which a, I also had explains, explains a lot. A lot. <laughs> well, well, Entitled. It, it is my middle name. Now stop swearing, <laughs> Gary. Stop it. Calm down. You're getting too excitable. I, well, no, I'm an only child from the marriage of my parents, but I have a half-brother in Australia, and I did have a half-sister who died. Oh, but, right. Okay. Um, so but there that. you go. But I didn't Where grow are up you, with Andy? you. I'm the oldest of three. That explains uh, a lot. Two sisters. It does. <laughs> it does. It all explains a lot. Well, I think <laughs> where you are in the family hierarchy does explain a lot. I think it does. Where were um, you in your family hierarchy? Me, I just said I was I was the oldest of three. Oldest, oh, hence the bossiness. Exactly, and the yeah. and the sense of entitlement. Yeah, and sense of entitlement, <laughs> control, all those yeah, things, all that it's stuff. Yeah. Alpha See, male, all that. You know, we should alpha we, male. <laughs> Gary, you had the Oedipus complex growing up. Clearly, what does that mean, Gary? <laughs> Go watch Hamlet. I, I know. I, I mean, I know what it means, but what does that mean? So you would have grown up in fear of castration by your dad if you tried to usurp him as the alpha male. Yeah, that's not oh, quite Andy, what Andy's the Oedipus had a, complex is. It is, it, the, the Oedipus complex. So it all derives from, this goes back to Freud, and when it's applied into literature, the best example of it is uh, Hamlet. However, it all comes from the Oedipus Rex um, uh, Greek myth, where Oedipus is, is born and his dad has been told the prophecy that his son will kill him. So when he's baby's born as his son he gets rid of him but then what happens is that years later Oedipus grows up to become a warrior and they're walking down the the highway this is very much abbreviated and 
What and you've also is, missed out a massive he, important right, so he, he gets he gets into it. what happens he gets into a, a confrontation with his dad not knowing it's his dad uh kerry's walking away and then what happens is he has a duel with his dad and kills him and then he goes and solves the riddle of the sphinx and what that means is that he must marry the queen who he doesn't know is his mum and he has intercourse with his mum that's uh, the bit that, that you'd missed yeah. out yeah so basically yeah but that was the end uh, and then what happens is that when you can, when you see that with Shakespeare, what Shakespeare would do is Shakespeare would have a lot of his themes and a lot of the structure of his plays would be drawn from Greek mythology. So when you apply that into Hamlet, the idea is that it's not the uncle, it's the dad, but whoever it is, it's the alpha male in the family unit, right? So, so what did that, you get for your for to. your essay at university for that? Sorry, say that again. What did you get on your essay at university for that? Oh, I didn't write about that. Um, when I was at university, I, um, I I did study Shakespeare, but I did more of As You Like It and more of comparison between the country and the court and whatnot. Right. But then uh, the best essay I did write was um, there's a book called In Country by Bobby Ann Mason, where I just basically wrote a um, a piece about Bruce Springsteen and uh, wedged it into that. Oh, it always, was... always comes back to Bruce, doesn't it? No, but I, I, it's really interesting. Was that that eight eight minutes and Vietnam. 17 seconds before you mentioned Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, and, and the, well, that book's all about Vietnam and about the girl in it. Her dad had died in Vietnam before she, uh, before she was born. So, and when the book is written, it's all set as "Born in the USA" is coming out. So, the girl in the book wants to be the girl from the video getting pulled out on the stage for Dancing in the Dark, who is later revealed in modern times to be Kerry. Courtney Cox, Kerry, right? I, I'm so so sorry for asking that question. There you go. So I, you, you, you I, put I apologize. me on the spot. You thought I couldn't explain it, and I did. So there you go. <laughs> yes. well, I'm, I, I'm actually true. quite impressed, but we, go. we've so, gone down a massive rabbit hole, and I'm not sure we're going to find really our way interesting back. Interesting is if you read Sigmund Freud interpretation of dreams, and you start applying that as literary theory into some of this as well. It's really interesting. Well, I tell you what. Talking of dreams, I think we should probably. Oh, nice talk. segue, Kerry. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> the the well dreams that we. Yeah, we had the dream of going further in the Champions League and Real Madrid were coming to town and we were going to do them, but this time in front of everyone, including me, who was going to tick it off my list, all that sort of stuff. And then the reality happened. Um, And what was it like sitting next to Gary following last week's podcast with his arms folded, not singing? He he wasn't there. He he couldn't make it. Gary! (laughs) Is it because you just hate yeah. watching Real Madrid, or just, what was? Why didn't you go? He'd seen him. He didn't need him on his list anymore. So right. no, he was. You were. You had something on, didn't you? That you couldn't get out of. Um, so I went with uh, my oh, friend. No, I'll be honest about it. I, I had a personal tragedy. I couldn't make it. So. Oh, okay, yeah. fine. So, but well, let's move on, and you know, uh, hopefully everything's okay now. But yeah. Um, but yeah, who, let's, who did you go with? I went with my friend Matthew, his son Tom, okay, who's a, cool. a, a lovely lad. Uh, he's now about six foot three, um, which is kind of frightening. I haven't seen him for two years, um, and uh, I've got still a bit of a sore neck from looking up. But no, he's he's a he's a great lad. He knows his football. He's proper chills. Um and yeah, we we went together and had a well a very nice time until the game kicked off. Really, so, yeah. uh, it, it was it, it, it was one of those nights. I mean, I think we were all full of belief that we were going to sort this out, even after the residue of thought that was left behind after Brentford and we said maybe they had their one eye on on the game against Real Madrid. 
as it turns out, that was not the case. They had no eyes on the game, really. Um, Andy, what were your thoughts going into that day and into that evening? Did you believe this was going to be one of those games where, yeah, we're going to give them an, another top game here? Well, I, I mean, I, I think I went in there with a very balanced view, which is it's Real Madrid. You know, they're a decent side. Um, we're coming off the back of a pretty poor defeat at Brentford. Um, we uh, don't look like we're bestriding the world at the moment. So we'd have to be at our very, very best to um, come away with something. But I did feel confident that we could do something. And I felt when we looked at the team, uh, it was a strong team. Mendy and goal, back three of Christensen, Silva and Rudiger. Uh, Rhys James starting on the right with uh, Dave on the left, which was interesting. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. Uh, Kante and Jorginho as a double six and uh, Mount Pulisic behind Havertz. So that's a good team you know and actually when it was read out I thought this is a good team you know it feels like a, if I was a Real Madrid fan looking at that I'd think that that's a decent team um but you know their, their team was also pretty good and um you know it would have been um naive to say we were just going to go there and uh, uh and smash them um as it turned out so Gary I mean when you saw the Chelsea side what were your thoughts did you think yeah, this is solid, this is going to do the right thing? Or do you think it was perhaps there were signs that maybe we were perhaps being a bit cautionary with Dave being in there and, and Jorginho and Kante in that midfield? What were your thoughts, Gary? We were playing with the fear of castration. <laughs> we, we, we were speaking about it at the Brentford game when Jorginho didn't play him. We, we said then, didn't we, that we thought Tuchel would play him against Madrid because he wanted to try getting that controlling midfield I think you look at it in hindsight and I know it's cliche everyone says oh you're an expert in hindsight I don't think you can blame him for it I know you sort of hardened himself after the game but I think that was the um, the downfall to the performance I think we were too slow and we got overran at times I think seeing Azpilicueta in there as well it's sort of, I think the pace of the game Madrid were able to overcome Chelsea a lot um, it was just really frustrating wasn't it and I think when you see that and you see so much emphasis is being put on players who maybe aren't suited to it or players who can be targeted, I think that's where this team looks at its weakest. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, I, th I think that, look, you're, you're absolutely right. The one thing it's so easy to do is come at this with hindsight and go, oh, well, it was obvious that Jorginho shouldn't have played. Well, it's obvious that Dave shouldn't have played. Sometimes you can't tell until the game is in play as to where it's not quite working. And also, you know, this wasn't the same Madrid mentality that we saw last year when we, we I thought we destroyed them over two games. This was a game where they seemed to be very up for coming back at us and trying to get a game together that suited them. And they seemed to do that. Um, it, it, just, it just clicked for them. We certainly weren't clicking. But we, we seeded a lot of space in midfield. And Cruz and, and Modric are both players who are getting on. I think their combined age is something like 79 or 80. Uh, and yet they were able to control so much. And that was terrifying. When, when you see somebody like Modric, who's able to take his time to pick a pass, you know you're in a bit of bother. And of course, I mean, what can we say about Benzema? Um, you know, I've never been a huge fan of his, but the last couple of years, he's gone on to prove himself. And 
dare I say it, if if Lukaku is worth a hundred million, then surely ben, Benzema is worth three hundred million. Uh, I mean, he was incredible, wasn't he, Andy? Just in the clinical way that he took care of us. Yeah, I mean, it was one of the I think one of the great opposition performances at Stamford Bridge. It, it was brilliant. Um, I mean, he's thirty four, going on thirty five now, so he's very much at the end of his uh, career, I think, as a striker. Um, otherwise, I think he probably would be worth huge amounts of money. Um, there was a point, I think, when Real Madrid were thinking of offloading him a few years ago and saying that he could be upgraded, but you know, he's really single handedly kind of kept them in the goals. Uh, particularly since Ronaldo left, um, so you know I think that was an amazing performance. That that particularly that first goal was absolutely stunning. Um, the second goal, I thought, I thought when I first watched it, I thought, why hasn't Mendy done better there? It looks like he was a little bit slow off the mark, but it was so brilliantly well placed. Third goal was a disaster, you know, but, you know, cap- capped his hat-trick, but, you know, that was all down to, to our Mendy. I would just say as well, just on the on the formation, uh, just going back to that slightly, uh, we had a slight issue in that they've got Mendy and Vinicius down the left-hand side, um, who were super quick. So he had to play James on uh, on on our right hand side for the pace, which meant that Aspilicueta had to shift over to the left. There was no real room for him there, particularly in the, in the back three. He played Christensen uh, on the right hand side of the back three, so Aspilicueta was probably the only choice over there because I think Alonso's pace meant that, or lack of pace meant that he probably wasn't going to be an option uh, in that game against um, uh, Casemiro and Valverde. So you know he he was a little bit hamstrung about what he could do on the wings, but. To be fair, they um, you know they 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 were very good. We just got you know we just got caught. I think at two one we stood a chance, but you know three one's a, a mountain to climb. Yeah, and especially when that goal comes a minute after half time, everything you said I mean, in the dressing happen, room goes don't out they, the window. Carry. Things don't, yeah. and Gary. I mean, things happen, don't they? You, you, um, you know, you know, players aren't aren't machines. You know, they they can make mistakes, and and players do make mistakes. Unfortunately, I think Mendy has made quite a lot of those mistakes with his feet in 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 recent months. It's an area of his game that isn't isn't good uh, and needs a lot of work. And hopefully, that's an area that they're really concentrating on. But it's killed us, really. I think. Well, we'll see. Look, there's always hope. And as you always say, it's the hope that kills you. But Gary, um, what are your views on, on, well, two things I'd like to talk about with you. One, as Piliqueta is wing back, some would say that now he should be on the right of a three. uh, And that's the only place to play him. And Alonso should be picked. Perhaps it's tough because they've both not got any pace. And two, Mendy. Uh, do you think there's something that maybe we should just let him be a keeper and there's too much of this allowing him to play with his feet too often? Well, on, on the Aspi side of it, just real quick on that, I think that he is, you know, just like we saw with John Terry, the way he had to change his game, you know, the older he got, I think that's the same with Aspi. It's not because he's a bad player. It's not from want of trying. It's just that time's catching up with him. He's played a lot of football over the years, right? The game is such now that when you see Reese James there and Chilwell on the other wing, you can just see the difference. And I just think that it does weaken us. Um, again, that's not to criticise him. It's just a fact, right? It's, it's not because he's a bad player or he doesn't want to try. With, with Mendy, um, 
you, you can't you can't ask him to stop. That's the way Chelsea play. That's the way modern football is. You need keepers that are good with their feet. He is our best keeper. Um, as a goalkeeper, he is up there with the best, I think. Um, but it's sort of like the problem we had with Conte and Courtois. Courtois would get caught a lot with his feet. I think he's actually got a bit better as well. So maybe in time he, he can get better. But one thing I'd say about that goal is um, you two wouldn't have seen this because uh, you were there. But I had the misfortune of watching it at home. And um, they said, oh, Rudiger, you know, he's on a yellow card. So he pulls out the tackle. And my view was that he should have just gone right through Benzema, taken the red for the team in the hope that we're able to consolidate and, you know, we're not playing for the next 30 minutes in that game or the next 45. We're playing for the next, you know, 135 minutes. He should have gone right through him, hope for the best, but he did, he did pull out. And I know Mendy's left him, you know, with one, put a hospital ball in there, but he should have been more unselfish because maybe the game would have ended 2-1. Maybe we would have, could have grown into it. Who knows? Maybe we would have lost 3-1 and been down to 10 men. But he should have done more. I think he should have just gone right through him and taken one for the team. One one thing I noticed about that, which I did notice at the game, is he looked like he went with his wrong leg. That that's the yeah. thing. And I think if he'd have gone with his left leg rather than his right, he tried to sort of come across it. I think he would have got there. It, it just seemed like a mistake, but should never have been put in that position. He, he tried at to think it round him, where he, he should did. have just gone right through him. And yeah, yeah. And he, as you say, probably would have got and... a red, and you know, yeah. then then yeah. I mean, I, I know what you're saying. I don't disagree with it. I think it's interesting on the Mendy side because Kepper as well is terrible with his feet. But Kerry, I, I mean, I'm with Gary on this. I think that you cannot alter the way we play because the keeper can't play out you know that that is how we play you can't just say let him be a goalkeeper and kick it long because that's not how we transition so it's an issue isn't it I think moving forward yeah I I agree I'm I'm being devil's advocate looking at it because people say well oh well maybe he shouldn't be doing it but he is such a good goalkeeper as a goalkeeper that and and honestly it's quite interesting that the the I was there really early on and I was watching Mendy in practice because uh, we were there about half an hour before the game and it was amazing because he was pinging this ball 60 yards on the people's feet he was doing short passes never missed the man it was quite incredible but of course the difference of of when you actually get out on the pitch and in the white hot heat of the game you're suddenly under pressure in a different way. He can obviously obviously do it, but obviously he starts getting caught in in two minds. He starts thinking about other things. So it, it was kind of kind of odd that you know that that's maybe they've got to start charging him down in training. I don't, I don't know, but it's it was quite funny because uh, there, there was a lot there was a lot of I don't know what it was like where you were, Andy, but there was quite a lot of arguments and a couple of um, punch ups near where we were. Oh really? Um, no, not near me. Yeah. No. There were three incidents, and it, the the atmosphere was quite testy. I thought on on the night. Um, I thought it was a good atmosphere. You know, can you know after I'd complained about how rubbish the atmosphere was at Brentford and and how rubbish Premier League afternoon Saturday afternoon Sunday afternoon kickoff atmospheres are they're really flat I think that under the lights in the rain it was a kind of dramatic and hyped up atmosphere and it's kind of what we needed I was pleased with the atmosphere but then I didn't have any incidents around me were they incidents with Real Madrid fans who got tickets or were they Chelsea fans fighting each other it looked like one was definitely a Spanish fan um, who well, that's was just silly. They shouldn't be there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the other two were between um, 
I presume, home supporters. But it, who it are was, sort of disagreeing with one of them, shouting abuse at a Who knows what it's about? It's usually what it, it is, isn't it? Older yeah. blokes with very slow arms, if you know what I mean, <laughs> swinging around and, and and what have you. But it's funny. So I actually, silly. it is. But I I I actually missed the goal because. The queues for the toilet were so bad. Um, I thought, well, I'll wait till just before the start of the half um, and then I'll come back up. And I went down and went to the loo and then came up. And I just looked, what? 3-1. Honestly, I could not hear any celebration at all down in the loo. So it was a complete shock to me because I was sitting down rubbing my hands together. Right, let's get back into this. And people were looking at me as if I was a fool and an imbecile because I hadn't realised it was now 3-1. So, yeah, that was was a a shocking moment of realisation. That was a very unlucky wee. Well, I don't think that, you know, the other thing is is to mention is, particularly in the second half, I thought we played really well. I mean, obviously, they, you know, it's an Ancelotti team, weren't they? They were very well drilled. You know, they sat back. They didn't really push forward or take any risks. Um, But, you know, I thought we played well. We got in and amongst them. We had three or four really good opportunities. You know, uh, Lukaku particularly, you know, had a couple of great opportunities, habits habits as well. You know, so, you know, it goes back to this old thing of, you know, can we take our chances at the big moments? Um, You know, we did on Saturday uh, and we'll come on and talk about that. But we didn't in that game. And, you know, one more goal in that game, 3-2 going back to the Bernabeu. Yeah, that would have been, you know, that would have that would have made them a little bit edgy. I think three ones, a, a, a two goal cushion going back second leg of a Champions League game. It's a big cushion, so you know, I obviously watch the game tomorrow night. I'll be supporting the Blues, but you know, my my expectations will be very measured. Gary, what were your thoughts about the chances that we created in the second half? Um, yeah, I think if we had Benzema or someone like him who could put them away. I think it'd be, like Andy said there, one more goal makes it 3-2. It'd be a different different game altogether. I think with Lukaku coming in, we've said it, we said it against Brentford when the chips were down. Now's his chance to impose himself and he didn't. And then he comes on, you're like, maybe this is his chance to impose himself. And he didn't. You know, and he had that header where... <clears throat> what was that like yeah, on the telly, Gary? I haven't watched that back. What was it? What was it like? Right, I mean, just, he had so much time and It space. looked like he no had a on huge amount of time and to score just, that. And you can hear the groans from the commentators as well. And, you know, because everyone just knew he should be burying that. Maybe when we signed him at the start of the season, he had a bit more confidence. Maybe he would have done. But, you know, the the price tag is, you know, the weight on his shoulders, whether he likes it or not, right? He's got to deliver with that. And everything that's happened this season, you know, when you're putting that investment in a player, he's got to be delivering. He was bought to deliver in those moments. He wasn't bought to do it in the Club World Cup against subpar opposition. Obviously, he helped us win that competition, but he was bought to be burying those headers against Real Madrid in the Champions League, and he's not. not. Um, Well, we bought him as a finished article. That's what you're saying, isn't it, Gary? Yeah. If that was Tammy last season, you'd accept and go, oh, because maybe he'll get better. But, you know, Lukaku's there to be burying those. Imagine if that was Drogba. You know, imagine yeah, we had Drogba in that situation. He just would have... I think you look at it and the mistakes and the problems that happened in that game, um, it sort of does sum up where this team is. You know, we, we were saying about new owners of the club and whoever buys the club, they're getting a great deal because they're going to get a team that's set to be competing for the next five to six years. But seeing where we were last week against Madrid, 
the mistake from Mendy, which obviously, you know, led to the third goal. Lukaku's, you know, wasted chances in front of goal. It sort of sums up where we are, where we are, prob- well, we are third best in the Premier League. And there's teams that are more clinical and more effective than us in certain areas. And we just need those that little bit of fine tuning still in places that I don't think we're a bad team. I don't think Madrid are better than us where they're going to beat us 3-1. But it just shows where on our day we can blow hot and cold like that. Because there was an interesting quote, which I know we'll get on to, but um, the Southampton game, but Tuchel said after, I took this from Adam Newson um, from Twitter, where after the game, Tuchel said, um, I think it tells us, you know, winning 6-0 uh, that we are that team, uh, we are not that team that can escape with results if our input is at 90% or 80% of our energy, commitment and investment. We are a special group when we have the priorities right. And I think when you go back to Madrid and put that quote into context, I think that just sort of sums up the last 10 days that we've seen, doesn't it? Yeah, because I'd also say when we played Real Madrid last year, we were at it. We were on top of our game. We knew what our weaknesses were, but we really sort of worked. And here, we didn't get going. Like you said, Andy, in the second half, it was a pretty good performance on the whole. They but didn't rip we, us apart, though, Kerry. They didn't. No, you know, it was like, didn't. you know, that, that the goal, the Benzema goal kind of came out of nowhere. It was a brilliant ball, you know, over by I think my Modric. And, you know, he just... Buried it. It was just a brilliant goal. Second goal, not great. You know, not great defending. You know, he lost his man. But again, really good movement. Third goal was a disaster. You know, so I, I don't think they ripped us apart. I thought we were pretty well matched. The problem is the margins are so fine at that level that if you allow a team to get a two-goal cushion over you, it can absolutely inform their tactics in the second leg. Um, and they only really need one goal. Thank God we don't have away goals. Yeah, you know, I have which you to love. Say, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have to say, I was a fair cop this because I've gone on. Oh, I love away goals. You know what? Best thing they ever did was get rid of them. And if we win <laughs> two two nil tomorrow, then I'll be very happy. You know, can we win two nil in, in in Madrid? Of course we can. You know, can we take it to you know to to, to extra time? Of course we can. You know, um, we can win two nil. Um, but it's it's. I think it's a massive uphill struggle against that team and that manager who's so adept at you know putting together. A, you know, a tactical plan that will allow allow for a two-goal lead. You know, Ancelotti's a great manager. We know that. Yeah. And Gary, uh, what did you make of Christensen's performance? Did he look a bit ring-rusty to you? Um, do you think that he's not played enough to step into a game like that, especially when, you know, as Tuchel uh, admitted that they wanted to push Reese on, so there was space behind him a lot of the time? Do you think he was kind of left a little bit hanging out to dry? What, by the manager? Yeah, well, what, just by the tactics. Or his performance? No, no, no. It, it, no, I hadn't even thought of that. But no, just just in tactics, because Reese was, was pushed up so much further and trying to get into a space, um, trying to draw Vinicius back, that they, they didn't seem to go for it. And Vinicius seemed to have the, the measure of Christensen. It's not like it's something new, though, is it? No. It's the way we play. So it's the way that, you know, Chilwell would play if he was on the left and James on the right and vice versa. Um, I just think it was just a bad performance. In isolation, you can look at it as a bad day at the office. Is it something that is in his game? We know it is. That's why I don't think many people have been too disappointed that he's probably off at the end of the season. I think he's a good player, but I don't think he's 
a player for these moments where he's going to be consistent every time he plays in these games. You know, he might end up playing the Bernabeu and having a, a stormer again. I think players like him sort of sum up that appraisal of uh, Tuchel on the squad that sometimes they're with it, sometimes they're not. And I think he reminds me of a little bit. I think he reminds me a little bit of John Stones in the sense that, you know, came with a big reputation. He was the, the future of Man City. You know, he spent time going in and out of the team. Um, he's now sort of playing more and more. But nobody's turning around and going, John Stones, he's one of the best defenders in the world. They're turning around and saying he's a, you know, very good defender in a very good team. But nobody's, I don't think Man City fans would be distraught if John Stones left. And I don't think we'll be distraught if Christensen leaves. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, but yeah, I'm, okay. Well, look, I think I think we covered the Real Madrid game. Uh, unless there's anything anybody else wants to chip in with, but I think what we'll do normally do the predictions uh, <clears throat> for the end of the program. But I think we should do the one for, and of course we're doing two shows this week. We'll have an FA Cup semi-final special on on Friday. But um, I think we should do our our predictions for Real Madrid. Tomorrow night, now, or on Tuesday night, depending when you're listening to this. So, Andy, what are your thoughts about Madrid in the Bernabeu? I think we'll go there and we'll give them a game. I think, unfortunately, it'll be 1-1 and we'll lose 4-2 on aggregate. Okay, Gary, your thoughts? Is there anything unexpected Tuchel will do? Because Lukaku's not gone, has he? He's He's got no, this... Lukaku has stayed because he's injured. Um... A minor, minor injury, though, Tuchel said. <laughs> What what was the minor injury? Hundred million price tag. Um, <laughs> I, I'm confused about this game because I don't know whether I saw enough last week to think, yeah, this lot of crap, and we've just sort of gifted it to them, or whether they are a decent team because they showed when they blew up against Barcelona the other week what can happen. I just think that we're going to get something out of it. Well. <sighs> So what, you're thinking there is a chance? I mean, look, there's always and, a chance. And I was thinking this after the game, even though we were all deflated, I just thought it after the game still. And then Southampton happened. And I just thought, I know it's Southampton, but hmm, maybe these players have got it up them again. And that these games came a bit too quick after the international break. I know that happens for everyone, but maybe for some reason they needed a little bit more time to gel again and sort of get going. But, you know, Tuchel's not an idiot. And I think we've got a manager that can get us back into this. And I think that if certain players are on it, then, yeah, I think, I think we've got enough. I think we've got enough to win it. Um, 2-0 to Chelsea. Oh, I love it. I love it. And then what? We win on penalties. Yeah, and what will happen is um, Courtois will take a penalty because the Madrid players will be too scared to take one. <laughs> I like it. I like it in Courtois. I have to say, Courtois got uh, a bit of a roasting from the fans at Stamford Bridge. I thought he got um, an excellent roasting. Yeah, he, he Too really right did. as well. Yeah, quite yeah, right. In the yeah. media, we were getting slagged off. There, even the, on the commentary, they were like, oh, it's a bit harsh after everything he won at Chelsea. But duh, the guy went on strike to get his move. Yeah, it's like, come on. Exactly, you know, uh, and and did you see that he'd said all those nice things about Chelsea the day before, um, about how much he loved the club and loved being there, and he thought, oh, you're just trying to soften it. It didn't work as soon as he came down. I mean, that was, I actually put the defeat down to the fact that we turned the teams round the wrong way from the start. I didn't like that. 
it was, no, it was horrible. Well, that's Ancelotti, isn't it? I think, uh, obviously, yeah. knowing no, knowing that little trick. I mean, to be honest, he probably should have um, he probably should have saved Havertz's effort as well. I don't think that was great goalkeeping, you know, when Havertz scored. So yeah, the right no. came off his forearm like that. Yeah, he did. Anyway. Good. Well, let's box that one off and see what happens. I reckon if we if we do get something out, I think Gary's right. If we do go there and force some kind of victory, we'll end up winning the Champions League again, which would be mad. <laughs> exactly. Look, well, just to say as well, though, I don't think Werner's going to do anything in this game just because of what he did against Southampton. But, you know, I just think that this, this game, because it's Madrid and the way that they are, it just feels like there's something still in it for us. Sometimes when you've got nothing to lose, it creates freedom. It creates some well, freedom, you know. And, and if I were too cool, and, you know, obviously I'm not, but, you know, if I were in that dressing room, I'd be saying, you've got nothing to lose here. Just go out there and express yourselves. Go out there and, you know, play to your abilities and, and see what happens. And, you know, if you could win this game, win it win it 2-0, you know, win each half 1-0, then, then you've got a chance. Um, yeah. And I'm sure that's what he'll be saying to them. And if they go out there with a, an attitude of not, we've lost this already, but, hey, let's go out there and have some fun, you never know. You never know. And also what I would say is that, and my prediction I'll give you in a second uh, to finish up this part of the show, um, is finally we're back to being the underdogs. People have expected us to get a result against Real Madrid. Um, and I, I didn't particularly... Um, think like that but I'm glad that now most people aren't giving us a chance even ourselves I like that I like that position it's not a major disappointment now if we go out but there's that little thing if we do manage to turn this round people are going to go that was an incredible comeback so I'm going to go I'm going to go with 3-1 because I can see them scoring I'm going to go 3-1 and 16-15 on penalties. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's it. Right, well, look, we should, we should cut to the commercial break and we'll be back after this. And we're back. So, after Madrid... It was off to Southampton, a place I always think is a bit of a strange place for us. Sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. The last time Timo Werner scored, it was against Southampton in the league in October. Um, it was it was one of those. I, I didn't know what to make of, of what would happen there. Three o'clock kickoff, no one particularly interested. Oh, dear. Well, somebody who had a, a real lowdown on the day was Andy because you and Harry, your son went to Southampton as usual. You're like part-time Southampton fans. We love going to Southampton. I've got a very good friend, Simon, who, uh, I do still very good friend. He's well, yeah, he's, uh, well, he's had to sit with me quite a lot. And your point about us, you know, going there, losing and when it's not really true, because most times we go there, we win. Um, and, uh, I've sat many, many, for many, many years in the posh seats at the St. Mary stadium with Simon, who's very generous and very kind and great company and a brilliant host, uh, watching him, unfortunately crying at the end of games as we've, you know, you know, beaten them. I mean, there's a lot of games where it's like we're one nil down or two nil down at halftime. We come 
comeback and win with a last-minute goal, whether it be Ross Barkley, whether it be Ivanovic, you know, those games where, you know, we've just pulled it out of the bag at the end. Um, so I think now when I go to watch games with him, he's pretty uh, sanguine about it and doesn't, doesn't you know, has his, has his expectations very managed. Um, but it's, you know, it's a lovely little stadium. It's one of those identikit stadiums, a bit like Leicester, uh, exactly the same as Leicester Stadium, maybe Derby Stadium, you know, those kind of Milton identikit Kings, stadiums. Dons. Well, sort of, although Milton Keynes Don's got a little bit about it. But, you know, it's uh, it's just a, a fairly boring stadium. But people are really nice. It's in a nice location. Um, and, uh, yeah, I like going. It was a lovely day. It's always a lovely day as well. Um, so, yeah, we pol- toddled down there, had a bit of hospitality, sat in the posh seats and watched us smash them to pieces. It was brilliant. So, Gary, um, what were your expectations after Real Madrid? Did you think we'd be able to dust ourselves down and, and go there and give a performance? What was my prediction on the pod last week? I can't remember. <clears throat> I think I, I said 6 0, didn't I? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was me. And uh, I think after the Madrid game, I think everything was, everything was such a blow. You just didn't know what to think, did you really? Given that Brentford had happened just before. Um, <clears throat> but in, even at the start of the game, we rode our luck, didn't we? With Rudiger and Mendy getting into a bit of a. Um, panic again and giving the corner away. I remember watching on, I'd, I'd watched that feed with you, Kerry, and then I watched it on match of the day. And when you're watching it, you don't realize that all this stuff happened within the first two minutes of like the mess up between Mendy and Rudiger and then Werner hitting the post. Um, yeah, it was, it was a strange feeling going into it. I wasn't sure what to expect, but obviously happy with the way they came out and they were particularly clinical. It was one of those where we had missed chances against Madrid and Brentford and they all came at once. Like he, Even down to the way Havertz took his shot, I don't think anyone's given him enough credit for it that when Werner smashes the post, the ball comes at him at literally 100 miles per hour and he has such a deft touch just to use the power of the ball to guide it back in. Um, but um, yeah, it was obviously a very good performance, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And Andy, what's the, the team lineup? a bit of a surprise? What I liked was the fact it looked quite a lot of the time as though Mason Mount and Havertz were both playing behind two, uh, behind um, uh, Werner, who was going through the centre a lot more. And, OK, look, Werner looked more comfortable in that position, and it seemed to work as that triumvirate, allowing for the wing-backs to come up out on the outside. Um, do you think that is how we can make Werner work? Those front three seemed to rotate for me. Yeah, At times, Havertz was 10. At other times, Werner was 10. Mount, I think Mount started as the 10. Um, it was but, interesting. But I mean, my, my point, sorry, Andy, just to interrupt. Sorry. My point was that Werner wasn't stuck out on the left-hand side. No, he wasn't. Side. He wasn't. No, he wasn't. He was, he was, he was playing, uh, he was playing a, a, a different role. You're quite correct. And, you know, and clearly that, that worked for him. The big, the big shock in the, in the lineup, of course, was Loftus-Cheek starting at wing-back. Um, you know, Loftus Cheek is turning into you know the ultimate utility player. I think he's playing, he's played everywhere now, isn't he? Really? Um, so he's that, the new Saul. He's the new, yeah, or um, you know, or, or, or several other players of our of our history. But you know, he's he's um, you know, it goes back to that. Where does he play? He played at centre back against Luton. He's played in the middle. He played as a deep lying six. He's he's now playing at you know right wing back, and it kind of worked. You know, I don't think he had a huge amount of, uh, of problems to deal with. Um, but I thought. He he was good. He looked classy. He fitted in there well. He did his job well. Um, apart from that, you had 
had a you know back three of Christensen, Silver, and Rudiger, uh, which was always going to be solid. Alonso coming in for Dave on the on the left hand side. Uh, Kante and Kovacic, which I think worked really well. Kovacic, I thought, had a shout for man of the match. And as you say, Mount Havertz and Werner up front. So you know, strong stuff. And uh, from minute one, we were bossing it. 30th of March 2013, by the way, was the last time we lost at St Mary's. It's funny. I I have this idea that teams are bogey sides and they really aren't. Oh, well, there you go. I don't mind that. But, But Gary... What did you make of Timo Werner's performance? You know, the perfect hat-trick of woodwork, two goals, um, all over the place, buzzing, saying all the good, all the bad about him. But he looked a lot happier where in that, in that part of the field as opposed to being stuck in, out on the left. Well, remember after the Brentford game, we went out with someone for dinner, didn't we? And um, we were chatting about Werner. And he said about, you know, oh, he likes him, but he's just not a footballer and teams have to play a certain way. And he's got his goals against Southampton because they just play exactly the way teams have to play for him to score. You look at the way he scored both goals he scores. Uh, Southampton have been turned, you know, he rounds the keeper for one, he gets a tap in for the second. But every chance he had in that game was because Southampton was so high up the pitch, they were just getting turned over real quick. Shocking, basically. Shocking, basically. Yeah, you... you you just see that from the beginning. I just thought Harsenhutl should have gone, hold up, lads, let's just sit deep a bit and get a grip on this game because they're turning us and it's two minutes gone. Um, so for Werner, he did the business. You know, I think they even said, I think maybe Ian Wright even said on Match of the Day, it was like, oh, I don't know how much he watches of the Bundesliga. He said, oh, these are the goals he was scoring for Leipzig. You know, and they, they, they were, it was like rounding the keeper or one-on-ones and, I think if teams, if Real Madrid played like that against Chelsea, which they won't, but if they did, then Werner would have a field day, I think. Um, but it's, it's a shame of him because he's got the effort. He doesn't have the footballing brain. Um, he has to, you know, he has to utilise his God-given gift of pace to really, you know, make things matter. And I think when he has to think too much, mm. he... That's, that's when problems come in. And, he's, a, um, he's a very instinctive player. And so when yeah. he hasn't got time to think about it, like the tapping, for example, you know, or, or you know, ra- you know, rounding the keeper was very good. I mean, you know, hitting every single bit of the woodwork of a goal in the first 20 minutes was quite something. Um, but, you know, at least he was putting himself in the positions. Tactically, I think you're right. You know, Hassan Hootl having his players so far up defending just left acres of space, particularly with, with Werner's base, which, of course, was on the left, um, ironically, you know, when he picked that ball the problem was that he tucked I mean from where I was sitting and again in the posh seats really good seats decent height I could see that Liveramento and Walker Peters who were there left back right back uh, respectively were tucked in and they just gave us the wings which is absolutely the wrong way to play against Chelsea and I just couldn't believe that we had so much freedom on the wings to get down there and create opportunities and that allied with that high line that they were playing they were just they were dead meat from from uh, you know from minute one I just couldn't believe what I was watching uh, and Marcus Alonso provides the the perfect game for a player like him he doesn't have to really do much tracking back he's involved up front he's he scores a goal uh, but as great as Alonso was and that goal was so sublime the man for me who is probably man of the match I think it was a few contenders Mason Mount uh he just seemed to be back on form again what did you think Gary I mean that little flick over the shoulder it's just it's beautiful isn't the vision it? and awareness for that yeah it was yeah. incredible. 
Well, just maybe it's Southampton for him because he's a Portsmouth boy. He comes alive against them, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, that's but, true. Yeah, the thing is, everything we saw from him as well, though, it's nothing we've not seen before. We know we know what he is, and I think that anyone who's got a brain knows what he is. That's not to say that he's the best player in the world, but he's certainly not. Yeah, you know, he's a player who deserves his place in this team, and I think when he's on it and ticking, a lot of the time this Chelsea team as well. You know, is and um, I think that happened on Saturday for one reason or another um, and the fact that he was there being in the position he needed to be for that assist for Alonso for instance and then he gets two as well just an all-round good performance wasn't it yeah absolutely crap and, haircut though yeah I, it, it is a bit bit iffy um, you know but but there you go uh, he speaks yeah. very highly of your haircut that's um, that's a shame yeah, it's it's true, but the 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 one slight disappointment for me, and it's it's probably not fair either. And the last point before before we we uh, finish off the the pod, can I just say the, sorry before we get to that point? I do agree about Mason Mount being man of the match. I, I mean, I think Kovacic had a shout for it, but it was clearly Mason Mount. You know, he was head and shoulders above everybody else on that pitch. His energy, his, his creativity, his vision was um, immense. He was a brilliant performance. And a great, great strike great as well. Great use of a hair brand product in there and we're common on his tear as well. <laughs> <laughs> but my only tiny gripe is that once all our subs were on, none of them put in the same kind of performance that the people would be. I, I expected us to score another couple at least. And nobody kind of seized the opportunity to really carry on destroying. Now, maybe you just get bored at 6-0 as a team. I don't know. That That's my, my minor gripe, is that I would like to have seen a little bit more from Pulisic and like to have seen a little bit more from Ziyech. Uh, am I being unfair there, Andy? A little bit, yeah. I mean, I know what you mean. There were more goals in that game. Um, I mean, I think, you know, I said to my friend Simon and my son Harry at halftime, I said, what, what happens with these games? When you, when you smash four goals, Goals, five goals in the first half doesn't tend to be another four or five goals in the second half because we don't have to do that. So we do tend to manage the game, play within ourselves. We're not we're lo- looking to kind of you know take teams apart. We're looking to just consolidate and, and get to the end. And there's many times when we've been four five nil up at half time and it's been four five nil at the end of the game because we just haven't pushed on in the second half. And you know this is what I was saying about Real Madrid earlier. They don't really with a two goal cushion need to come at us. You know they can manage the game. And I think. We did that a little bit. Could um, Pulisic and Ziyech have, have impacted the game a little bit more when they came on? Maybe, but maybe there was just a sense that, you know, let, let's not kill ourselves to do that. We're, 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 we're winning by a mile. Let's just. I think the most important thing was to keep a clean sheet. I think that those defenders would have been absolutely furious if we'd have given away a goal. And, and that's where the, the kind of the effort was going into in the last 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Well, look, that, that's us about wrapped up. Um, that's another another week done. And, uh, yeah, just want to say thank you, as always, to Andy. Thank you to Gary. Uh, We will be back at the end of the week with our FA Cup semi-final special, because Chelsea are playing the Beagles. Um, And uh, we will be back with that. So, yeah, thanks, everyone. Come on, Chelsea. This is it. Let's do it in Madrid. Come on, you Blues. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? 
Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.